Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCrady. I'm ringing the bell for real-time engagement with the Father over the next 30 days. In this month of September, What are you doing to step forward into the assignment that God is preparing you for? Do not let bitternesses of the past keep you tied to those things in a box where you feel like you have no options. My friends, God has put His life within you, and He has put the power to make proper decisions in your control. So let's step forward. I'm ringing the bell for real-time engagement with the Father in the month of September. Love you all. Take a listen, share with others, subscribe to Tent Talk, and let's get the message out, because now is the time, my friends. All right, ringing the bell for real-time engagement with God, but you cannot move with God if you are mad with God. Now, I'm not telling you to immediately get over it. What I'm saying is God is probably pressing you to bring your controversy with Him to the surface. This is what he has done with me on several occasions, and it has been to the most absolute pure deliverance ever. Because, my friends, we inherited a nature from Adam. We inherited a nature that is completely hostile towards God. You may think, Nancy, I'm I'm not angry with God. Okay, I didn't say you were personally angry with him. What I'm saying to you is that we inherited a nature from Adam that thinks it makes a better God than God. It constantly wants to take God to task and say things like, well, if I was God, I think I would have been able to handle that a little bit better. Why does God let bad things happen to good people? And on and on it goes. God, I have been so faithful to you. How could you let these things happen? God, why do you allow hell and sin and the devil to just rip and roar, right? Okay, now listen to me carefully. Sons cannot live like that in this hour of history. You cannot. But that is not a chastisement for you to quickly get over it. What I'm saying to you is a provoking encouragement to get with him so that those things can actually be addressed. If we remain in our angry offensiveness at God's sovereignty, and we remain in our bitter and angry ignorance of Him, His ways, what He has accomplished, if we don't back up far enough until we can see things from God's point of view, we are never going to be able to walk free and move in real-time engagement with Him. So here is just another excerpt from chapter 4 in my book of when God put the squeeze on me early, early in my walk with Him. And I assure you, it wasn't the last time. So here we go. Jesus, I cried, who will do right by me, God? Why couldn't they, my parents, just do what they were supposed to do? I can't move. I can't think. I can't fix it. I can't make them stop. Why won't they just stop? Will I ever be important enough for them to behave like parents are supposed to? The dam was bursting. His whispers piercing me were causing wailing from deep inside of me to spill over. 
The sock was no longer in my mouth. The cork was unplugged. The screams that had been muffled for years were finally being heard by the only one who could do anything about it. God was desiring truly honest conversations with me, where I would say to him out loud what I was thinking for years. So I began to say out loud, Jesus was never sexually abused. He never had to fight off Joseph in the dead of night. Don't tell me he knows what it's like. He doesn't. My controversy with God was overflowing its banks. All my life, I thought I was more offended with sin than God. I surely would never let something like this happen. I would rush in and make everybody stop their idiotic stupidity. But God, he just sits up there and dangles us over an open fire. He says he is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, yet seemingly does nothing. Well, what the hell good is it? to have all that power and presence. What is it doing for me, God, Mr. Almighty? If you are the all-knowing, all-seeing, and all-present God, then get off your throne and get down here and stop all this craziness. This sickness, this disease from the pits of hell called sin needs to stop now. Who sits around calmly while people are being mauled by each other? I'll tell you, you do. Well, the cork was definitely out of the bottle and the snot was slinging. There would be no putting it back in now. He, God, had squeezed me so hard that the fur was flying and the dung was hitting the fan. There was no denying I was F-U-R-I-O-U-S with him and blamed him for everything. And he whispered to me, Jesus was betrayed by a kiss, by physical touch, when Judas stared him down and wished him long life. Judas actually had something else in mind, death, betrayal, and destruction. You see, much like your abuser and mine, when they come toward us, they have something else in mind. The con men or women, whichever the case may be in your life, gained our confidence by catering to our deepest needs and fears and then spit them back at us as if they were mind readers. You see, what looks like love and the promise of long life turns out to be destruction. God continued on to show me things I never thought of or cared to hear before. Nancy, Even if Jesus didn't experience in his 33 years on earth the abuse you endured, in the hours he hung on that cross, he experienced it. He who knew no sin became sin in a way no one else has ever known. He let sin and hell do to him what it had done to you. And every other human that had existed on the face of the earth, past, present, and future, he experienced every covert and overt vile touch and violation you endured, every filthy deed and word, he encountered it. He became sin who knew no sin. He became the criminal who was your dad. He became you. He tasted death for every person. He did not stay at a distance. He came close and became intimately acquainted with all sin sorrow, pain, and defilement. He was running a visual, you see, before me of the crucifixion right before my very eyes. 
I was personally embedded in his experience on the cross so I could fully realize he had personally embedded himself in my experience. God opened me up to the surround sound technicolor panoramic view of the one I had railed at with clenched fists and veins popping out of my neck, being humiliated, violated, rejected, abandoned. I saw him taking on my humiliation, my violation, my rejection, my abandonment. Not merely the random world's sin being taken away, but the sin of my dad being dealt with. He was doing for me what no man, no person could do for me. No one else needed to show up for me to be healed. No one had to grovel, beg, confess, or admit their sin against me. The one I needed to show up already had. As I began this leg of my journey, Jesus walked with me and talked with me. My previous understanding of being a Christian was that I just needed to forgive and forget. I was learning Jesus wasn't your average Christian. His way of dealing with my torment was to lead me to face it by facing Him. When I faced Him, I was brought into strong experiential agreement with Him. I was being led from trauma to trust. My friends, I stop there. And I encourage you, do not remain in your controversy with God. Admit it. Get real about it. Talk with Him about it. But please do not remain there. Let Him take you in real-time engagement right now. My friends, we reveal our ignorance when we rail at God. Now, my friends, to be angry at injustice and sin is quite proper. And I think we probably need a little bit more of it if we would awaken And we would remember that God and Christ crucified. There is no one that knows what mankind has endured and done and how man has lived and raped and pillaged and misused. Um, You know, we've misused each other. My friends, we can't be sent out to people on behalf of the Father if we're still using people or allowing them to use us in ways that are un godly. That means they are against God's way. But what I want to challenge you with today is for you to turn to Jeremiah 15. And on the way, stop off at Jeremiah 12. So I'm hopeful that you'll listen to this more than once. My friends, I'm not reading my book just so you'll buy my book. I want you to understand that God, that God has come for you. That we cannot, my friends, think that we are strong with our natural work ethic, that we've overcome so much on our own, and yet we are so bitter that a lot of our pride in our strength is because we actually believe we've shown up more than God has. We will take care of things. My friends, my friends, we must allow God to reveal to us that anger cannot be the fuel and the juice that's running us deep within. Controversy with God cannot remain hidden and lie dormant and trip you up in the days ahead. God has come for us, my friends. 
And we need to come out of the natural mind of the flesh that is at hostility with God. You see, the word says in Romans 8 that the mind of the flesh is hostile with God. It's not just that it won't submit to God. It can't. We must come into the mind of Christ, my friends, for the purposes for which it was given. And the mind of Christ wasn't given to you just so that you could have better mental health and have a nice little positive attitude. The mind of Christ was given to you not only so that you can think like God, but that you can see like Jesus. You see with the mind. And Jesus will reveal the Father to you. You can see it in Matthew eleven twenty six and 27, right before he tells you, now come to me, take on my yoke, learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I will bring rest, refreshment, and recreation to your soul. Well, right before he says that, he says that he will reveal the Father. He will reveal the Father. You see, my friends, we need to see the Father as he actually is. Not by choking down our anger, but by facing it with him. Jeremiah 12, 5 says, But the Lord rebukes Jeremiah's impatience, saying, If you have raced with men on foot and they have tired you out, then how can you compete with horses? And if you take to flight in a land of peace where you feel secure, then what will you do when you tread the tangled maze of jungle haunted by lions and the swelling and flooding of the Jordan? Now, I don't want to take this out of context in any way, but my friends, can you just see here that if we get tired now, and trust me, you will, because eventually your bitter energy, my friends, will drain And it will leave you lacking deeply. It will leave you so bitter you can only see one opinion and it is yours. My friends, bitterness will drain you of everything and certainly will completely make it impossible for you to truly move with God and be his mouthpiece. You see, we're in real-time engagement with God. I am ringing the bell today. I'm ringing the bell. Come to his table. Come to his table. There's food the Father wants to feed you that you don't yet know of. Don't assume in bitterness that you know. Don't assume in apathy that you know. Don't think, my friends, I know all that. Oh, my friends, what we don't know (laughs) is pretty massive what we don't know of him. But my friends, we have a race to run. We're not trying to earn our salvation. Our race, finishing our course, is what the Father has given us to do in our oneness with him. The same as Jesus said, Father, I have completed what you gave me to do. Jesus did it in complete oneness with the Father. And Jesus shares his ability with you to live in oneness with the Father. You can't come up with that. Hmm? And it says, how are you going to be able, hmm? how are you going to be able to run this race, keep this pace, go in lands where you may have never imagined, go down the street, around the world, in your ordinary every day, whatever your assignment may look like. My friends, we're in real-time engagement, getting ready. And God was rebuking Jeremiah's impatience. He was dealing with the prophet. In Jeremiah 15, 
Jeremiah is saying to God, he's getting honest. And in verse 16, he says, your words were found and I ate them and your words were to me a joy and the rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. I sat not in the assembly of those who make merry, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because your powerful hand was upon me, for you had filled me with indignation. Verse 18. So why is my pain perpetual and my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Will you indeed be to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail and are uncertain? Ooh, Jeremiah's having a day. And here comes God. Oh, the velvet hammer that will set you free with so much love and so much truth. Verse 19, Therefore, thus says the Lord to Jeremiah, If you return and give up this mistaken tone of distrust and despair, then I will give you again a settled place of quiet and safety, and you will be my minister. And if you separate the precious from the vile, cleansing your own heart from unworthy and unwarranted suspicions concerning God's faithfulness, you shall be my mouthpiece. But do not yield to them. Let them return to you, not you to the people. Oh, my friends, has God had to bring me to this place? He has dealt with me untold times. It was all so very necessary, not just because of things that happened to me in my past. My friends, I don't care what your past was. You were born with an attitude towards God that eventually will say, God, after all I've done, I can't believe you let this happen. My friends, do you have any idea what could possibly happen in the future? Have you seen your brethren in the scripture, the men and women, Sawn in two, heads chopped off, living on the Isle of Patmos until you're 95, yet boiled in oil, and yet still revealing the revelation of God? My friends, what will stop you? What will stop you in the future? Do you understand that if you think you have an attitude that says that if I serve God, He won't let anything happen to me? Or if you say, ooh, if I go with God, the devil will come after me. My friends, I would have to say to you, the devil's already got you. Because you're thinking somehow if you lay low, the devil will leave you alone. Oh no, you're already in the devil's cage because you're laying low. This is about real-time engagement with God. I've got myself all fired up today. I'm preaching to myself. I'm releasing a word to you. My friends, we must let God deal with us. We must. We must face the offensiveness of his sovereignty, because that works within the nature of self, and it wants to war against you, the new man, as though that would be your attitude. You see, part of your inheritance from Christ is Jesus gave you his mind towards the Father, but that has to be developed. It has to be cultivated. It has to even be known before we can even choose it. You see here in the scripture in Jeremiah, which is fulfilled in the new covenant all throughout the New Testament, God says here, I will give you a settled place of quiet and safety. Number one is always going to be what happens between you and God in the secret place. He becomes everything to you. And then he says, and then you will be my minister. You will be my mouthpiece. Mm, my friends, if you're going to be his mouthpiece, you can't be confused. 
And what he addresses is, as he says, there's a tone, a mistaken tone of distrust and despair. My friends, if you can't trust God, there is no hope. And that's what it's saying. Distrust leads to despair. You can't trust God, right? From trauma to trust. Coming out of our places of independence and hostility, right? God is the only one who can bring it to the surface and the only one who can bring the solution. Stay with him, my friends. He is doing it. He is separating the precious from the vile. He is going to cause you to be able to return to him, my friends, with the vim and vigor that is born of Holy Spirit. They have come for their sons in the cross of Jesus Christ. They love you. They have come for you. They have done everything that is necessary to satisfy every cry for injustice, every cry of injustice, and the cry for justice. Trust me, they haven't been sitting on a throne doing nothing. I leave you with this question. Do you know him crucified? Do you know him in this way? I want to encourage you. Know him. Let him speak to you today, my friends. I'm ringing the bell. It's time for real-time engagement for the sons and the father to move forward Not in confusion, not in religious respectability, not in feigned pretense that we understand him. Know him, my friends. Know him crucified. Seek him. If my book can be of help to you, this podcast can be of help to you, if I can be of help to you. My friends, God has come for us. And I want to say to you, let him have you. Don't try to do it yourself. Let him do it for you. I love you all. Until next time. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady.com.